What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. Alongside today, we have a great guest joining me. I'm just going to bring him in right now. He is a reporter at the Omaha World Herald. He's covered a lot of sports over there. He's a, he's a big, big-time college basketball fan, Michigan Wolverines fan, professor, a friend, all-around great dude. Andrew Stem, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for that very kind introduction. It's great to be back <laughs> here, Jack. It's always the, it always feels like the best time of the year. You know, Super Bowl's behind us. Not that I don't love the NFL, but you know, now we can like really turn our attention to to college basketball. We're less than four weeks away from Selection Sunday, and oh. there's a there's a lot of conference races that are up for grabs. I assume we'll kind of talk about the the tiers overall here in in college basketball Baylor and Gonzaga and then where everybody else fits in but uh it's it's a good time to be a sports fan man and you know uh last year for a lot of reasons was you know obviously very uh, very heartbreaking when yep. things had to cancel and everybody started getting sick and all that stuff but uh you know with this protocols in place it certainly seems like the NCAA tournament is going to happen this year uh, I actually saw a tweet this morning uh, from John Feinstein, who said that the plan is to play the NIT. They'll do it all in New York City. Wow. Uh, and only 16 teams, so it'll be kind of like the old school NIT. Um, but, you know, I think there's kind of this understanding that, you know, the NCA certainly needs to make these happen for financial reasons, um, which, you know, selfishly is is good for me because the, the college basketball tournament, there's nothing like it. So uh, <laughs> I am ready to go. The committee named their, their 16 seeds if they st- seeded the field uh, on Saturday with their bracket preview, and uh, it's 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 time to go. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that the end of football NFL season is the kickoff for me in terms of the my favorite time in the world of sports. Uh, and I think it's not it's not an anti-NFL thing. Like, we both like the NFL. We both enjoy the NFL. And this was a fun NFL season. But the NFL takes up a lot of the oxygen when you talk about sports. And now, as you mentioned, we're able to shift over and pay a lot closer attention to college basketball. Pitchers and catchers are reporting spring training tomorrow. And so now we're only like six weeks out from baseball season. So we're gearing up for the busiest season of the Jack Vita show because I have my six part MLB preview series uh, on deck here. And I got to I got to start figuring that out because it's going to come up uh, real, real quick. And then in addition to that, we'll be providing these college basketball podcasts at least one each week up through the tournament and probably during the tournament Andrew I'm, I'm gonna need your help because I'm gonna try to do a recap after every single round of the tournament so it, it's gonna be pretty chaotic but it's gonna be a lot of fun sounds good man I'm happy to help uh however I can and like you said it's <laughs> it's the best time of year it rolls in the basketball tournament we get the baseball as you mentioned the first couple of weeks nothing like opening day and opening week and then uh you know, I don't, I don't know how. I, I think you're a pretty big golf fan, at least when it comes yes. to, to some of them. And you know, it just kind of rolls right into the Masters. And, oh yeah. Uh, you know, this is always, especially the time of year. I've always been pretty envious of Jim Nance, but especially this <laughs> year. Uh, you know, right around here where he gets to roll right in from, you know, like covering Pebble Beach, and then he'll start calling a lot of basketball games. He'll do the NCAA tournament, the Final Four, the national title game, and then, you know, six seven days later, he'll be at Augusta, and it's. Uh, He's got a pretty good life. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit envious of that. So, 
He does. He has a house right off of Pebble Beach, and his uh, former University of Houston classmate, Clyde Drexler, lives next door to him. Nice. Yeah, I know he and he and Fred Couples are pretty good friends. Yep. Too. A lot of those guys who were all Houston in the early 80s, uh, they all seem to be pretty close to each other still, which is good. Yeah, and Houston is having another great year this season. We'll get into that. Look at that segue. Look at that segue. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Kelvin Sampson's Cougars. It was. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's where you wanna you wanna start. Well, Dave. we'll we'll come in. We'll circle back to that. Okay. But right. before we get into everything, I uh, just want to say. So yes, today we're talking all things college basketball. If you're still missing football and you missed our Super Bowl podcast, I had a really fun episode with Haley Jordan last week. And then uh, we had a really awesome episode come together over the last few days with Jay Starrett from The Challenge on MTV. And he was also on Survivor, was able to get in touch with him. And that interview happened sort of just kind of uh, on a whim. It happened real quick. So we got a video episode out. So if you're interested in The Challenge, or you like reality television, want to learn more about it. You can uh, check out that uh, YouTube video or listen to that podcast here in the audio feed and wherever it is that you get your podcasts, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on some of the fun stuff that we have coming up. It's going to be a great year and uh, sure was a lot of fun having Jay on. Yeah, I'm uh, after listening to him talk about, uh, I appreciate you asking my question about what they did to keep themselves entertained uh, and hearing <laughs> about Big T and her uh, charades exploits and uh, he offered uh, I'm secretly kind of hoping that you'll go ahead and see if you can get Big T on because uh, <laughs> she has been another one of the thoroughly entertaining members of the of the group participating, and I would I would love to hear her talk about that. Oh yeah, would love to have Big T, and I think that it's probably going to be with as I look ahead to just everything that we have going on in the world of sports. I'm like. I'm so glad we got Jay in when we did. It was perfect. It really just came together. The stars aligned for it to happen. And now I think I'm like, I'm looking ahead at the next six to eight weeks and I'm thinking, okay, let's get, we'll put a pause on probably having some of the reality stars in. But once we get around April, May, uh, in the summertime when it's just baseball going on, definitely would love to try to, uh, get in touch with some more of them. And I think Jay will definitely help us at least having Jay on definitely gives us show a little more street cred in the challenge world. And I also want to thank Albert and Johnny Fairplay, Reem and Leslie, all who came on previously as the former, as the survivor contestants that have been on and helped build us a little street cred to get Jay on in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was an excellent interview. I was, I was thoroughly entertained. I did not watch, uh, now I feel like I have to, uh, if you want to make uh, your, your plug for uh, CBS All Access slash uh, Paramount Plus coming, because um, now I feel like I have to go back and watch that Gen X versus Millennials, because I, I hadn't watched any of it, and uh, you talking about him and uh, all the stuff they did, and, and Adam and Taylor and all that stuff, I, I feel like I have to go back now and watch that season in, uh, in whole, just to kind of see watch it all play out after listening to him talk about it. Yeah, if there's really any seasons after around season 29, season 30, that's the one. That is really, I think, as I mentioned, it's the last great season that Survivor has had. And I'm hopeful that they have more great seasons in the future. But that one was a really fun season. So if you're interested in getting in and checking out Survivor Millennials vs. Gen X, you want to see Jay's season of Survivor or any of the other 39 seasons of Survivor for that matter, 
Go to jackvita.com slash CBS and then enter the promo code Paramount Plus as CBS All Access will be transitioning to Paramount Plus in just a couple weeks on March 4th. And there's going to be a lot of new content then, including a new SpongeBob show. And they're also, I don't know if you saw this, Andrew, but... Uh, they're reuniting the original cast of the first season of The Real World, and they're going to have them live together again. Oh, I had not seen that. Oh, that would be thoroughly entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was almost 30 years ago now. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's both really cool and really disheartening to think about how long ago that was. <laughs> So we got plenty to get into today. Thank you once again for joining me, Andrew. I'm going to start with... The really the only news story from off the court in the world of college basketball, and that is pertaining to our alma mater, Valparaiso University, dropping the name Crusader from the team name. And it's really interesting, Andrew. We can talk about this a little bit, but some people are really upset. I personally don't really care either way, and we can talk about it a little bit. But what I think is really interesting is they dropped the name two years ago, at least some point during the, I don't know if it was before the 2018 to 19 academic year or sometime during that, they haven't had Crusader on their uniform or uh, they haven't really been selling any, when they give out their t-shirts, no Crusaders on there. Uh, they The SIDs, Aaron and Brandon had been instructed not to use the term Crusader in any of their write-ups and recaps. And so uh, it's really been something that they've been slowly phasing out. They finally made the announcement last week, and it's been met with mixed feelings, mixed uh, feedback. But it's pretty interesting to me that people hadn't really noticed uh, prior to that announcement. It was interesting. I was actually reading something about it, and somebody, uh, a former Valpo athlete from before I was even on campus, or he was, I think he graduated a year after I did. Um, so 2004 was talking about, well, it, it, it hits differently if you played with that name on your chest, you know, on the, on the front. Yeah. And I was honestly trying to think of how many teams I could remember that had it at, at any one time. And, and you're referencing the basketball. Um, I'm trying to remember, did the, at some point, did the basketball team have jerseys that said crusaders on them? Because I honestly, I was struggling to try and remember Hmm. Um, it's a good question. I know they've, I know they've said Valpo for a long time and Valparaiso yeah. and like, I know all the ones for the, at least the last year or two, but I was trying to remember, I had an old football Jersey that I had purchased, um, when they do, uh, homecoming, at least they used to, they used to do, um, I can't remember what they call it, but they would sell the, like the old practice jerseys or whatever, if you wanted stuff to want to cut a different Valpo type gear. And I bought a, I had a football Jersey that said, and it said Crusaders on it, and that's honestly the last jersey that I could remember. Now, now, memory's not as great as it used to be, but um, <laughs> like I, I just don't remember the the teams having that on there anymore. So, it, as, yeah. as you point out, that it, they'd been fading that out for a while, and I, you know, we'd uh, have to talk to our friend Stefan, um, who ran track. I can't remember whether the track uniforms had them. I'm honestly, I was honestly struggling for a long time to see, think of any that I could remember that had it. So, um, yeah, it's been, it was interesting. I don't know if you got a chance to watch, uh, the game on uh, Saturday, Saturday where, yeah. where there was a little bit of a struggle 
uh, on the part <laughs> of the announcers, Mitch Holtus, trying to, uh, you know, remember what to say, what not to say, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, it didn't bother me, um, you know, but at the same time, I know that there were um, a lot of people it bothered just with the the historical aspect of it. And, um, you know, I know that, uh, it made it very difficult to recruit to certain places, uh, certain mm, parts of the world. And, um, you know, I, 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 I hope they come up with something good. Um, you know, I, it's kind of too bad that UIC is the flames because I feel like between the torch and the beacon and the lighter, <laughs> all the student publications and all that, and, and the motto in your light, we see light and things like that. It would be pretty easy to have some sort of flame type logo, but I mean, I don't know if they want to seem like they're stealing the the flames or uh, it was interesting. I was listening to uh, the CBS Ion College Basketball podcast and yeah, former, good show. Um, former Horizon League director of media relations, Bill Potter, apparently had suggested on Twitter that they consider the Pacers because the, <laughs> the, the play yeah. that they ran. Uh, on Bryce Drew's famous three-pointer was was called Pacer. Now I don't know whether the Indiana Pacers would have anything to, whether they would complain, whether they'd be honored or or all that stuff. But that was an interesting suggestion that I had. That's thought. a great suggestion. So, I I got a name, and we'll get more into that in a second. Um, I will say though, I think like like you, Andrew, I was someone that. I had heard, I got an email about this a month or I think it was a month ago, and I, there was a survey, and it said, hey, what do you think about the name Crusader? Really, the thing for me was initially I sort of struggled with, oh, really? Like, we're going to, like, because the question I was proposed was, does this offend you? Is it offensive? And I think that's a kind of a an easy, like, that's a very broad term, Uh in terms of it does something offend you. And for some people, they're easily offended than other people are, or I should say they're less easily offended than others are. And so for me, I was like, well, sports teams in my, in my life, there's no way that a sports team can really offend me. And that's my life is different from a lot of other people. Um, but really the main thing I started to think about. So initially I was sort of like, really like, come on. But then I think the main thing was that, I started to think about this a little more and Christian organizations have been distancing themselves from the term crusade or crusader. So Wheaton College, one of the leading Christian institutions in the nation, they made the switch in the 90s. They used to be the crusaders. They switched over to the thunder. Uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, one of the biggest um, Christian parachurch organizations in the country, a really awesome organization used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ. They switched over to Crew 10 years ago. The term crusade, it's something where you think about, like, it can have a positive, like, I think you can see why it would be used in a positive way, and you can also see why it would be used in a negative way. And I think at this point, and this isn't even like a thing where you say, oh, well, there are certain things that are more acceptable now than they used to be. I just think it's something that a lot of people have started to think a little bit about in terms of, is it something that's the greatest, most marketable name? Because in addition to all these things that we mentioned, if you go to Disney World and you wear a yellow shirt that says Crusaders, what percentage of sports fans know that that's Valparaiso University? Valpo or Valparaiso, that is the brand for the school. 
And so for me personally, I don't really see, I have no problem with it, but I also, I had no problem with it either way. And I can understand why people are upset. I definitely feel for the athletes who uh, really embraced the name and maybe they feel like some of their history is being erased a little bit. And I, I don't, I don't really know. I can't get inside their heads. I don't know what they feel like, but I also do think that it's an opportunity to come up with something really clever. I like that Pacer name, and I actually had there's at least one suggestion that I had that I think could be pretty cool in terms of building something that's marketable because it's not something that's Buckeyes or Hawkeyes or Wolverines or Horned Frogs, and I think you could make something like that that would be kind of cool for our, for our alma mater. What's uh, what's your suggestion? <laughs> so, first of all, I think it'd be really fun. And I, again, I'm kind of figuring out what the timeline's going to be. I'm podcasting. Like, a lot of this stuff is really fluid right now with it just being such a busy time of year. And Jay just came on and everything. But I really would love to do an episode where I have a live stream guest or two. And we just have people pitch names to us and we run through them all and we see which is the best name. I dig that. Yeah. And so I'll give a little tease for the ones because I know not everyone's going to listen that listens to that show is listening right now. So the name that my mom actually came up with and it's a love it or hate it name. It's something that you're either going to love or you're going to hate. And I <laughs> initially, I kind of I kind of chuckled at it, but then I ended up really thinking, you know what? That's really fun. So a couple things. One, having a unique name that stands out. So something that can sound a little silly can also be really cool, like the Shockers of Wichita State. That's sure. you, Shockers, you know exactly what that is. You know it's Wichita State. And they came out of Missouri Valley. So... Then we also have a rich history of popcorn in Valparaiso Mm -hmm. uh, with Orville Redenbacher and the Popcorn Fest. So my mom's suggestion that I came around on, the Valparaiso Poppers. Poppers. Okay. Poppers. (laughs) I suggested the Colonels at one point to somebody. Uh, (laughs) I like that one too. So there's definitely something. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it... it would be fun to to hear people kind of pitch their ideas and um you know i i i like those i like poppers i like kernels i think that that would be fun and you know something because like it's pretty easy to come up with something generic like if they didn't want to ditch all the branding they could just flip over to the knights and be done yeah that's boring though it's too boring like you can think of all the knights that already exist and yeah and um so you want to have you know you want to have something to stand out like I mean I don't know how many uh, Division two universities are well known but like I've always known Pittsburgh State um, in Kansas part because like I got introduced them because they were really good in football but they're the gorillas <laughs> and you know that's just one of those that you remember the ones that kind of stand out I think Long Island University just transition to the sharks like those are the ones that you remember and stick out like there are a hundred bulldogs there are a hundred tigers things like that but like the ones that are unique are the ones that kind of stick with you so yeah i think that i think that that's definitely what they should strive for is something that's unique something that's fun and like you could transition to uh, something very cute, like a little, like a popcorn man as your, uh, as your mascot. Sure. 
yeah. And uh, or certainly something that they think is big and fierce because you know people like <laughs> to pick uh, sometimes the NCAA tournament pools based on yeah. who would win in a mascot <laughs> fight. So should consider that too. That you think at least go with something you think might advance pretty far down there. So. <laughs> Yeah, but also people could say, oh, I like that name better yeah, when they fill out those brackets. Exactly. So, yeah, I think there are opportunities. For now, I'm probably going to, I think I'll call them the Valparaiso Valpos or the Valparaiso men's basketball team sure. for the time being. Uh, so Valpo is actually, they're having themselves an interesting year right now. It's definitely been a little bit of a regrouping year, but if they have some guys come back next year, I think this team is making some good strides into next year. Andrew, I went to the uh, Saturday game last weekend against Drake. Ah, wow. You've Oh, oh I forgot. That was on campus. I was, I was yes. sitting here thinking for a second. I was like, man, you've ventured all the way out to Des Moines. <laughs> and I was thinking because I was watching the games. on, But that was Loyola. That was last weekend. So, yeah, you saw the, the near... The near upset. I'm sorry that they uh, <laughs> saved it for the next day. But, yeah, I, I like... You know, it's, it's a lot of young guys... I'm going to apologize for probably butchering the pronunciation of his name, but uh, Ogne, Onisevic, and I don't know if that's how you say it. Um, that's good enough. We can go with that. Okay. <laughs> um, but like his game, I was, I've been impressed with his game ever since, uh, you know, cause he kind of came on the scene here early on against Purdue um, back in, I can't remember if it was late November or early December when they almost, they almost pulled that one off. And um you know, so they've got they got a nice group. Sheldon Edwards made the three three pointers in the the second overtime against Bradley when they kind of got a surprise yeah. win there. Um, I mean, they I think Nick Robinson. It seems like he's you know left the he, he decided he opted out of the season right around the time they played DePaul in I think that was early January. But like, yeah, you know, you know Connor Barrett, uh, Ognasevic, um they have a lot of really good young guys. Donovan Clay has been awesome. Um, you haven't even mentioned the guy that I, the only guy I met uh, when I was, so I went to the game and right now there are no fans whatsoever, at least at Valpo. I don't know if it's Missouri Valley or if it's the state of Indiana, but they're not allowed to have fans. And I had the privilege of covering the team for two years and getting to know the coaches very well. And they always want, they always invite me. They have an open invitation for me. Whenever I want to go to a home game, they'll hook me up uh, for the most part. And so even this season, very fortunately, so they said, yeah, you know, if you are able to come, like it'd be a lot of fun. So I went to the game and talked to them and they're like and everyone was well not everyone but the team was in pretty good spirits after that loss because they said you know Drake at the time was 18 and 0 Drake had been they were a top 25 team at the time and they were punching above their weight in that game Valpo was and they were leading for a good chunk and they were I was talking to players uh not really as many players but the managers and the coaches and everyone felt like oh well we should beat them tomorrow and uh that's that is what happened they won by 17 the next day i wasn't there for it but the one player i did meet was uh ben Cricky, who really he just feels like a valpo guy he i was very impressed with him good guy yeah yeah he's you know he's got uh kind of that sort of inside outside game he's you know six nine but can shoot the ball 
um, pretty well for a guy his size. And, uh, you know, if they can keep everybody together, um, just a couple of seniors and, you know, I know uh, Aaron Gordon and Malik McMillan and Nick Robinson should have the option if they want to of coming back for next year because the NCAA has given, you know, a blanket additional year, but it's going to be kind of up to the schools whether they want to, you know, honor that stuff. And it might, um, I don't know how it's going to impact scholarship. Oh, and Zion Morgan. Um, But those guys, uh, I don't know how will it impact uh, scholarship wise, but, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of pieces who get uh, a lot of minutes are freshmen and sophomores and uh you know the freshmen you you expect to make the you know there's a they, the biggest jump always comes from your your freshman year to your sophomore year and um you know those guys getting more playing time getting a lot of action and you know it's been kind of an up and down season they've been in some games and, and lost a few heartbreakers and uh but you know they're they're playing hard all the way through and um you know, they got Loyola, I think, on Wednesday. And then they have uh, Southern Illinois and Indiana State. So a chance to, to win some of those games. Um, you know, Loyola will certainly be a tough task, especially on the road. But, um, you know, a, a chance to, to finish a little bit of strongly. And, you know, the, they'll be feeling good, I imagine, going down into Arch Madness, given what they did um, yeah. <laughs> you know, a year ago, winning three games in three days to get to the final. And playing Bradley tough for a half before kind of running out of gas. You know, you want to see him kind of build here the last few weeks and, and give him something to go. But a lot of good young pieces if they all decide to come back. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be so interesting to see what ends up happening with some of these guys who come back next year because across the whole sport of college basketball, this is something interesting in general because I was thinking about a guy like Cameron Crutwig. Cameron Cartwig's probably not going to be playing in the NBA next year, but he is a great college basketball player. And if you're someone that, hey, maybe you have an opportunity to play overseas and make some money, um, but it for hey, they show those commercials. The 99% of Division One athletes or, or NCAA athletes are going pro in something other than sports. I mean, it's going to be awesome for them to have that opportunity. I know we're in a time right now an economic hardship where economy hasn't been great and i'm very optimistic that we're going to get back uh fairly soon i i think things are really improving quite a bit and uh but i mean hey the economy might not be what what it's been in the past uh coming this this spring and if there aren't in terms of uh job opportunities versus going back to school for another year and maybe getting a master's degree and I, I think that's a it's going to be really cool that we could potentially keep some of the stars in of college basketball in the sport for another year yeah yeah absolutely uh Crutwig is a good one uh that you mentioned it'll be interesting to see what the guys at Drake decide to do because I know they've got yeah. a, a pretty senior heavy squad um what about Luca Garza? He could he could be another could, guy right? that just dominates. Like, he certainly could decide that um, you know he wants to come back and run it back again. It, I mean, they're they've got to be such a confounding team to root for because they're so skilled offensively. Yeah, and they just they just can't find it defensively. I mean, they're they're not terrible defensively, um, but they're in the you know just barely over the top hundred in um defensive categories and 
you know, they can outscore teams. I, I think it's. I think that's not any sort of revelation saying that Iowa can outscore <laughs> teams. But yeah, you know, you try to win six games in the NCAA tournament, and there's going to be at least one where your shots don't fall. And you know, when the shots aren't going in, can you win with defense? Can you can you win a grind it out kind of game? You know, because like. I don't think. I mean, maybe maybe they maybe they find the the secret formula and can do it. But I honestly, and you'll probably come up with one here as soon as I finish the statement. But I honestly can't remember the last national title team who won without like having to grind out a game. Like you know that, that Virginia game, yeah, uh, Virginia two years ago. Since they're still the defending national champions, yep. Like that game against uh, Oregon in the Sweet Sixteen. That was like fifty-seven to fifty-four in overtime. It was just a it was a grinded out kind of game, and you know there you run into a lot of good teams defensively um, who play good defense. Once you get to you know kind of the the later rounds, of the NCAA tournament, and you know if they lock you down, do you feel confident in Iowa's ability to get enough stops to win a to win a game in the in the high fifties or low sixties. And I, I, I just don't see that happening right now. That doesn't mean things can't change, you know, in the next 27 days or, or what have you. But, um, so yeah, if Luca decides he wants to run it back again, you know, and if, uh, you know, he, if Iowa fades enough and, um, you know, one of the guys from, from Baylor, maybe, um, like if, if Jared Butler ends up winning national player of the year, uh, and Luca decides he wants to come back and try and win it for the third time uh, after Obi Toppin got him last year. Um, you know, certainly there's nothing wrong with that. Like, and there are some guys, you know, who just love the college experience. Like, you you raised good points about the economy not being where it is and and not having a chance to play in the NBA. And do you guys want to start their careers over in Europe or what have you? And there are some guys who just love the college experience. Like, you know. You and I have been there. Uh, you more recently than than I have, although I teaching on college campuses. But like, there's no other experience like college. And some guys just, you know, some folks want to hold on to that. And if you give it another year to do it, it's fine. And they'll end up with a graduate degree, which is nothing to shake a stick at ever. And um, you know, I certainly would be happy to have a lot of these stars come back, and the game will be better for it. I agree. I want to go back to Iowa in a second, but first, two quick Valley things. One, do you see the special or the little feature on Aaron Gordon on the at the Valpo Saturday night game at halftime? I did. Very cool. Yes. Uh, heard a lot of great things about him. He sent me a LinkedIn message, so he'd be an awesome dude to potentially podcast with at some point. Yeah. He really, uh, really cool dude. Uh, for those who don't know, Aaron Gordon is the brother of Eric Gordon, played, who's now on the Houston Rockets, and played at Indiana. He was a great college player, and he's a good NBA player. And now Aaron plays at Valpo, and he shoots a lot of vlogs and podcasts and is very skilled digitally. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, that, he would be a great get to talk for you, talk on your show. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, then the, the other thing in terms of, the Valley, I was going to, I was thinking about Drake, and Drake suffered two really bad losses back to back because they lost that game 
at Valpo on Sunday of last weekend. And then Saturday, they got thumped by Loyola, 81-54. They were able to grind out yesterday's game and win 51-50, which actually surprised me. I missed the second half of that game, and I watched the first half. The first half, I was like, man, what is happening to Drake? Are they just... They started out 18-0 or 19-0. Are they starting to just kind of roll over and die here? But that that was a, a much-needed victory yesterday. Yeah. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, Loyola. Um, they were in the top 25. It looks like they, they've stayed there for another week. Um, in spite of that loss, I guess with an with an overtime loss, good to see the the writers and the coaches both uh, reward them. Um, but you know, they're a like to reference uh, Ken Pomeroy in his rankings, um, and I can pull up the net here as well. But they're tenth in Ken Palm, um, and that I mean, barring a major collapse, Loyola has to be an NCAA tournament team. Like, Absolutely. And there are people who are saying, and I, I won't disagree with that, that, uh, that you know, that it's the guys on the team who are saying it, that who've been around for both, that they think this team stacks up better and is better than the team that made the Final Four. Uh, yeah, Loyola's 10th in the net, too. So um, they're well-positioned, but depending on how things go, I mean, the Valley could be a two-bid league. I mean... I don't know if it could end up being a three-bid league. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on how things shake out uh, in other conferences as to whether – because I feel yeah. like the, the pecking order for at-large bid is Loyola, then Drake. So yeah. if, and that's that's the thing. If Drake were to somehow round this season together and only lose five games and then Loyola is absolutely in, you could potentially have those two. I mean, if you're looking at a five-loss team with Drake and – Drake's had some quality wins, too, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, I think it worked out ideally for the conference that they got a split. And uh, I think, you know, to get multiple bids, I feel like you probably want those two teams to get to the final and then play each other. And that could very well lead to a multiple bid valley. Um, If somebody steals it, you know, like we have another Valpo-esque run uh, because they beat Loyola in the first round well it wasn't the first round for them right it was the, it was the the the, the I don't know, quarterfinals i guess is what you would call it um yeah but they upset loyola in the conference quarterfinals a year ago so if that were to happen for one of those teams for loyola or drake especially if it happens to be drake i don't know if that would be enough if loyola were to lose in the final to get three bids in the valley um but i certainly think the valley should be a two-bid league um, you know, Loyola and Drake have both shown themselves to be high quality. And like you said, it was really important for Drake to come back and, and get that win yesterday. It was, you didn't miss much in the second half. It was, <laughs> it was a hard game to watch. Uh, we're talking about grinding out wins. That is about as grindy a win as you can have, but to their credit, they pulled it out and, um, you know, they, they're pretty senior laden and, uh, you know, we mentioned Crutwig for Loyola, uh, a lot of seasoned squads in the Valley and it would be a darn shame if one of those two teams didn't make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, Andrew. It really would be in terms of the other really good basketball team in the state of Iowa that we were just mentioning, going back to your point about 
offense and they're going to step it up defensively. They do need to step it up defensively. However, I would say that I was encouraged from Saturday's game because they were able to still hang 88 points in a game when Luca Garza was only able to put up eight. They got a lot of solid contributions, all well-rounded, primarily from Wieskamp and McCaffrey. Michigan State is not a tournament team right now. They lost that game 88-58. This has been a bad year for the Spartans. Yeah, it's... You know, it's been a weird year. They had the like a three week COVID pause, and yeah. when we start talking about some of the other top teams, Michigan has just come off of theirs. Baylor is in the midst of one now. Villanova had one earlier. Um, you know, I think actually Gonzaga had a small one for a little while, but it hasn't been as as demonstrable as some of the other ones. And uh, yeah, the, the Spartans just they miss. Um, you know, Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. Like, yeah, they were with Winston and Tillman a year ago. I mean, they were one of the prohibitive favorites to win the tournament last year. I don't think. Yeah, and on our podcast, we did that. Uh, this is for those who missed it last year with no March Madness. We did a podcast where Evan Myers and I ran through and we pulled up a bracket from the New York Post. And it was a projected bracket, and we ran through it, and we made our picks. And Michigan State ended up winning that bracket. That's how good Michigan State was last year. Yeah, so it's just evident that, you know, Winston graduated, but Tillman could have come back. And at some point, I saw people joking about the fact that they should have named uh, Xavier Tillman as the Big Ten MVP because uh, Michigan State has fallen off without him. Um, (laughs) And they just, you know, they have – They've struggled with the point guard. Like, you know, when you have a guy like Cassius Winston, you can just count on, you know, to get good point guard play for four years. And they 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 haven't they haven't gotten that, and they've struggled inside. And guys are trying to figure out their roles. And I feel like Aaron Henry and um, Rocket Watts haven't quite made the jump that people kind of thought they were going to because they went from being, you know, I don't want to say secondary players because they were they were a big part of last year's team, but it, Winston and Tillman were driving the bus, and now you know those guys are gone. So you expect these guys to kind of step up and go from being, you know, kind of the the third and fourth scores to being the first and second scores, and that a transition has has taken a while. And yeah, it's it's not been a it has not been a great year in in East Lansing, but there is enough talent. You know, if they you know everybody talks about. Uh, January, February, Izzo, and April. Um, so if if they can get it figured out, they could make a run at the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis. But I think you're you're right. This is a team right now that's that's not close to being in. I I think there's something they're above a hundred in the net. Last wow. I heard, they were 109th. Uh, yeah, uh, they are. Oh, they're up to 94. So they're in the top 100 now. But I mean, they're not close. And yeah, I, their remaining schedule, they're supposed to play Michigan at least once. They're, they're 69th at Ken Palm. They're at Purdue, at Indiana. They get Illinois at home. They get Ohio State at home, at Maryland, and then they get Michigan at home. I mean, that that doesn't – the Big Ten is hard, and they're not <laughs> – yeah. you, know, you don't look at any of those games and say, that's a gimme win because like, they already lost to Purdue – Indiana beat Iowa at home, so it's not like 
Indiana swept Iowa, so it's not like Indiana has been you – know, they have some some strange losses and really should have lost to Northwestern last week before somehow pulling out a, a double overtime win that had to have been pretty heartbreaking for the – I know Northwestern is kind of one of the teams that you follow relatively close. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you and then you got back to back games against Illinois and Ohio State. Even though those games are at home, like those are teams right now projected to be top two seeds in the NCAA tournament. I think they're ranked fourth and fifth in this week's AP poll. And then you go at Maryland, and then you finish with Michigan. It's, I mean, there are high quality wins if you get them. Like every one of those six wins would be a good high quality win of the yep. quad one version, but. You don't look at any of those and go, yeah, I think Michigan State, the way they're playing right now, is a game they can win. Um, I mean, in the last – their wins in Big Ten play are they've swept Nebraska, they beat Rutgers at home, and they beat Penn State at home. That's that's their four conference wins. And there's just not a lot to, to hold on to. They have wins over, I guess, Notre Dame, and they beat Duke in the regular season or the early on when that looked like a really good win. And Duke's fallen off to the point where I don't know whether Duke's an NCAA tournament team either. No, I don't think they are at this time. So it's you know it's been a it's been a struggle, and I don't think I'm not necessarily sure that Michigan State quite falls into the same category. But I did hear a discussion that you know the the teams that seem to have been doing well. You know, like your your Baylor's, your your Gonzaga's. I think Michigan to a certain extent. Illinois got Io DeSumo and um, Kofi Coburn to come back. They've got Lance Frazier, lots of other really really talented players, um, guys who've come back. Ohio State's the same way, and we could go on through the top ten. I mean, even you know talking about Cameron yeah. Wig and things like that. But um, the teams who have been successful are the ones who had players coming back and haven't kind of. You know, they already kind of knew each other, and then they could add to that, supplement that with, you know, some incoming talent. Whereas, you know, Duke and Kentucky and yeah. uh, teams like that generally, at least the last couple of years, have been focused on so much on bringing in the top-rated high school players and the one-and-dones. Well, you know, summer didn't happen regularly. They weren't regular summer workouts because of COVID. There weren't, uh, you know, fall training camp was different. So you didn't get a regular preseason. So these teams that have been built on kind of these one-and-dones and and Duke and North Carolina and Kentucky, they look all out of sorts because they didn't have the opportunity to prepare like some of the – like they normally would. So it was the team – it's the teams who have had those guys who have played together that um, didn't need to find that cohesion quite so much that have have kind of risen to the top of the sport this year. And I, I thought that was a pretty apt description and a really good point. Absolutely, 100% agree. And we were starting to see that trend a little bit prior to COVID. We were starting to see that the one-and-done thing, which really peaked around the first half of the 2010s, has been that hasn't been a an overly successful method in recent in recent years. Even that team with that uh, Zion Williamson with Duke, they didn't get to the Final Four. No, no, they got beat by that Michigan State team that had Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. I mean, yep. you, you think about Virginia. Virginia's never been a, a one-and-done type factory, and they're the defense. Villanova. And, you know, Villanova wasn't either. Um, that North Carolina team wasn't built on 
one and done. They had some yeah. good first year talent, but it was fueled by a lot of guys who had come. You know, they'd lost to Villanova in the year before. They wanted to come back and run it back and try and win a title. And so it's it's honestly really been since that Duke team in Indianapolis with. Um, Oh man, I, I can't think of the the guy. Jaleel Okafor. Yeah, Okafor, and who was the guy who got Grayson Allen? Grayson Allen, that's the one. All I could think of was all the tripping incidents. <laughs> you know, but but like since then, you know, that's like they won it, and the the 2012 Kentucky team with Anthony Davis. Um, yeah. I mean, he was a transcendent talent, but like. Yep. You know, it's it's been a few years since a team that was built on those one and done guys. Um has won the national title and you know with with the possibility of the one and done going away um it, it certainly seems like that's something that's going to get brought into in the next nba collective bargaining agreement um so you know some of the some of the top college talent might just decide they'd rather go right to the nba and i don't know what this um the G League team, the uh, I, the Express, Excite, something like that. I can't remember what the <laughs> their official um, name is, but you know they're playing in G League games, and it sounds like Jonathan Kaminga might be making a a move up draft boards with how he's playing. Whether guys decide to go the G League route, um, and whether you know this will happen, but it, I think it's a trend. You're definitely right that we're going to start seeing more of that. You'll get college teams. We'll get guys who stick around for for two, three, four years. Maybe become two and done or three and done, as opposed to just simply being uh, one and dones anymore. And that that will, you know, maybe that means you don't get necessarily the super elite talent to play college basketball, but you might you'll see I think a wider breadth of teams uh, get better and have better chances to win. And I think that's you know, as fans of the sport, I think that's ultimately what we want, as opposed to seeing potentially one team kind of dominate the landscape for five, six, seven, a dozen years even. Well, I think it's good when you have guys returning to school because then you're able, you get more familiar with the players. I think that's an important thing for the fans to know, not have to reorient themselves with who the best players in the country are every single year. Whereas when you had like, I'll give credit to Grayson Allen. He was a guy that everyone was familiar with for four years. Yeah. Yeah, certainly, you know, he uh, he came on the scene in the national title game, not that he hadn't done things for, for Duke before then, but that's really kind of where he, you know, kind of came to the forefront, and then he stuck around. And, you know, to his credit, he, he did that, and, um, you know, he, he played on some really good Duke teams. You know, this this uh, extra year of eligibility with guys coming back that we touched on earlier and, and kind of all these potential changes over the – with the collective bargaining agreement in the NBA, the next few years, college basketball, I think uh, there'll be, you know, I think a lot of changes. Um, and I, I think for the better, it's, it's interesting as you talk about experienced teams, um, you know, we, I, I don't know if you plan to touch on Wisconsin. So I'm borrowing this from college game day. We'll talk Wisconsin in a second. I'm borrowing this. I saw this on college game day. I don't know if you saw this, the top 13 teams all-time in Division One wins. None of them were ranked last week. Did you see that? I did see that. That's I. The guy who pulled that nugget out of there. That's that is something else, man. <laughs> so that's in Kentucky, and now Kansas is ranked. Kansas had a good week. They won 
all three of their games, and it looks like Kansas is starting to come out of this funk. Uh, it seemed that I don't—I never thought they were a bad team. It just felt like they were going through a midseason funk. And then, uh, so Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, Temple, Syracuse, UCLA, Notre Dame, St. John's, Indiana, Cincinnati, Utah, and Arizona. And that's not even talking about the uh, historically great Michigan State Spartans. You know, I think the strangest thing I took from that stat, I if you had told me, if you had given me 30 guesses. <laughs> I was going to have you guess. About which team had the 12th most wins in NCAA history, it would have taken me probably 30 guesses without any hints to have come up with Utah. I yeah. saw that stat, I was like, there you have the 12th most wins, that's mind-boggling. That is. It's crazy. I did not... <laughs> I was not expecting that. Andrew, we had a really good game yesterday, Michigan and Wisconsin. Wisconsin looked good as they have. They've been a, they're a very experienced team and they they've been a little uh I don't know, I wouldn't say disappointing, but they haven't been overly impressive lately, but there sort seems to be a common belief that they're going to get it together uh getting into the tournament. They're still a top 25 team. They looked good yesterday, but I was so impressed with Michigan. It was the equivalent of a race, whether it's cross country or NASCAR, you just wait and wait and wait and you follow the pack, follow the pack, follow the pack. And then at a certain point you make your move. And that's what the Wolverines did. They trailed the whole game and they pulled away at the end of the game and they, they came out on top 67, uh, 59. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, that's kind of one of those games. They outscored Wisconsin 40-20 to 20 in the second half. And you talk about, just look, and, and that's kind of one of those grind-em-out games. And I, and I know yeah. Michigan would prefer, they. It, there was a stat floating around that they hadn't played in a close, a non-blowout game in, and I, I guess this was decided by like 10, 15 points, um, since they played Penn State in late December or early January. Oh, it was mid-December. They had been decided by by four points. And other than that, they win by 11, win by 11, win by 19, win by 25, win by 23, lose by 18, win by 24, win by 17. So it was you know the first time in a while, and I, I know they would rather get up and down the floor, but to, to grind out a game like that, um, coming off of a COVID pause where they hadn't played in 23 days, it was it was heartening to see that. I mean, obviously, as a as a Michigan fan, it was especially heartening. But um, yeah, they they you know were tested and uh, rise to the occasion yesterday. Um, and I, I you know Wisconsin, I feel like has been one of those teams that I honestly think has been hurting from having not having fans because yeah. I mean. You know, when the place is full and loud, Jump around. the Cole Center is virtually impossible to come away with a win. Yep. And they That's lost at point. home to Maryland. They've lost at home to Ohio State. They've lost at home to Michigan. Uh, they've got a big game Thursday. with they got Iowa coming in. Um, they still have to play Illinois at home. So, you know, it, 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 if they can get back to winning at home, I mean, like you said, there's they're a good team. Micah Potter uh, is a skilled big. Nate River, uh, Roivers, Reavers. Yeah, Reavers. Reavers. Okay. Um, Demetric Trice. 
Trice is a good player. Aleem Ford couldn't miss in the first half yesterday. Um, but I, I think that we talked about experience. Their average starting five age, because they all start five seniors, I think, or four seniors and Trice transferred, uh, maybe is how it is. But um, it was like 23. The average age was 23 point something. Yeah. And they showed it, and I saw a stat, and you probably saw this too, that their average start, start their start, average age of their starting five is older than the average age of the starting five of the Bulls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Wisconsin, they're going to they're going to turn a corner here eventually. I I'm confident in them. I mean, and again, the thing with Wisconsin, it's going to matter. It's going to depend on who they're playing because when you play Wisconsin, those games are typically pretty close. Just their style of play, similar to. Virginia, it's very slow paced and those games tend to be close. So it's going to depend on who they match up with. You could, I could really see them going either way. Yeah, it's, you know, and and conversely, you kind of wonder, I mean, they kind of thrive in those sort of grinded out games and you wonder if they end up playing a team that's, you know, offensively skilled, like let's say Villanova. Yeah. Like if they play Villanova in the Sweet 16 or Elite 8, can they score 80, 85 points to to get there? Cuz you know they'd much prefer to keep it in the 60s. So can they do that? So they'll be kind of the reverse of Iowa even though their offense is significantly better in comparison with Iowa on the defensive end. If they get into a shootout, can they keep up? That's going to be something worth keeping an eye on as well. Yeah, that's a really great point. And similarly, you could see them play an offensive juggernaut and lull them into their style. And I've seen teams do this. I remember when I covered that uh, Valpo, I was at that horrible, horrible Valpo-Milwaukee game in 2017. Yeah, (laughs) it was like 42-39 or 41-39 or something like that. And Milwaukee made a run to the title game of that tournament by trapping teams in that slow pace. And... It, it was like they, they're poor. I wouldn't say, yeah, it was below average offensive game <laughs> was contagious onto these other teams and they were catching the, uh, the same thing. And now obviously Wisconsin is a much better offensive team. That's uh, me just making a dramatic comparison, but I think that's definitely something that could play well in their favor. You mentioned Villanova. It's tough to gauge how great, how good they are this year, considering the Big East took a, a, a tremendous step back from where it was last year, which was inevitable when you have seniors and stars like Marcus Howard and Miles Powell graduating and leaving. It's too bad that they weren't a year younger and we could benefit from having them an extra fifth year in this case because they were so much fun to watch. But Creighton, they uh, they beat Villanova very significantly on Saturday afternoon 86 70 i think they thumped them last year too and i think last year around this time we were talking about creighton as one of these teams that just kind of overlooked they're never some they're never a super sexy pick but they're very efficient and i remember last year i think we both were pretty impressed with how they had been closing out games and the very difficult big east last year yeah they uh you know another one of the local teams i i remember seeing a stat floating around that i think it's since they won their first national title so since the 15-16 season um that 
Villanova has, I think, eight double-digit losses in the last so six, seven years. And four of them have come against Creighton. Wow. That there's just something about when Creighton and Villanova play against each other, and you know if Creighton's finding the bottom of the net, they're gonna win by. It, it seems like they win by a lot. Um, yeah. You know, it, it was really hard to kind of get a gauge early on with this you know, with the Creighton team. They they went to Kansas and lost by a point on a missed free throw, um, which at the time looked like they'd missed a, a chance on a big win. Then they lost to Marquette at home, which didn't look great and has seemingly not been good since, uh, since Marquette's kind of gone southward. They won a bunch in a row. Um, they'd won six in a row and then they lost a couple in a row, including a a home loss to Providence. And kind of since then, they just sort of have kind of been muttering along. They, they beat Connecticut who hasn't been as good without James Boatnight. Uh, they had to rally on the road to beat Seton Hall, um, they were at DePaul and were down for a lot of that game and then pulled it out in the last few minutes. They lost at home to Georgetown. Um, they, they held on at Marquette and, and they, they won a better game at Georgetown. And then all of a sudden they, they looked on Saturday, like they got it all figured out. Like they'd been struggling and wandering through the forest lost yeah. for six weeks. And all of a sudden just things started falling into place. Um, and you know, they're, they're a team that's got a lot of seniors, Interestingly enough, they're now off for 11 days. Oh, wow. Uh, yet it, the league didn't build in. I think the league had kind of built in. If you have a you know a COVID pause, this is kind of a spot where we might be able to put may, have a makeup game. Um, but yeah, they'd been playing you know two, three times a week since January, um, straight on through. And now they have 11 days off and it'll be interesting to see how that impacts them yeah. because you know that before Saturday, I would have said it'll be good. They can, you know, start working on some stuff and then they played on Saturday and they couldn't miss. And now it's kind of one of those things where do you feel like that might dial back their sharpness a little bit? Um, but they've got, you know, their, their schedule coming in is relatively favorable. They've got DePaul at home. They do have to go to Xavier and it's hard to know what's going on with Xavier because they've been on, they'd been on pause for so long and, um, that'll be a tough game. It's always hard to win at the Cintas center. And then they go to Villanova uh, and finish with Butler. So, um, you know, it will be interesting to see how it shakes out, but, but Marcus Zagorowski and he's a really good player and, and Mitch Ballack is one of those senior leaders, Damian Jefferson, a guy we, um, you know, might have um, a guy we might have seen uh, in the region because he's originally from, uh, I think, East Chicago Central. So he's oh. a guy could have seen play in high school if you got out a chance to see high school sports when you were a Valpo <laughs> student. But um, yeah, I mean, they when they when they're on, they are really on, and when they're kind of off, they're not so great. And it will be one of those things where if they can if they can keep the switch on for three weeks in Indianapolis, I mean they're as capable as anybody of of getting hot and making a run. And they're also one of those teams. I mean, with home losses to to Georgetown and Providence and Marquette, you know they they could also be one of those teams that flames out in the first weekend. Um, yep. So. 
it's it, you know it's it, it's as as we've said i feel like for probably the last 20 25 minutes <laughs> a lot of it is going to be matchup dependent and uh but man if if you you know if there's a team that you look at and go i think their offense can get going um that is that i personally if it works out would love maybe a second round matchup depending on where seedings are of iowa and creighton that could give the uh, scoreboards in Indianapolis some workout. <laughs> I, I mean, that's a game liable to finish with an NBA type score. Oh uh, yeah, you know, one fifteen, awesome. twelve, or something like that. Because Creighton's Creighton's better on defense this year than they have been in, in previous years, but um, you know their offense can light it up, and that would be a lot of fun. Conversely, it would be fun to watch Creighton play Wisconsin and see who could impose their their will <laughs> on yeah. uh, bringing the tempo of the game, but. The the Jays, you know, I don't I don't know what to think about them anymore. Like I thought they were going to be a okay, you know, kind of middling, and they got some good players, and they can they can make a decent run. But um, you know, that, then they blew the doors off Villanova on Saturday, and now it's hard to know. And you know, I know there are a lot of people around here who want, who are, are thirsty for them to you know do well because it's a program that's never made the Sweet Sixteen for as wow. good. Yeah, as good as they've been, as 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 good of players, you think about guys like Kyle Korver and Doug McDermott yep. and all those guys. They've never made the Sweet Sixteen, and that is something Wild. guys around here have to hear all the time. And they would love to be the group to knock that off and extinguish that mark. Um, and you know, Doug McDermott, his senior year, they ran into Baylor in the second round. Um, and that was, you know, they were a three seed then, and people thought they could go a long way. And, um, you know, there've been some other teams, but just never made it. And this is this is the group that wants to do it, and with the right draw, could, you know, get to the Sweet Sixteen and and well beyond if they, you know, if they shoot like they did on Saturday. They, there are not going to be a lot of teams who will beat them. Yes, that is very true. There were a couple really good games on Saturday, and one of them I did not get a chance to see. I'll start with the one I did. The Arkansas-Mizzou game was a lot of fun, went to overtime. Arkansas is putting a nice little case together with that win. Yeah, Eric Musselman, I, I, you know, I, he left Nevada after having you know all that success there, and yep. people were like, well, is it going to work at Arkansas? And they were... They were a pretty solid team a year ago. Like I think they might have they were twenty and twelve, probably yeah. would have been right on the NCAA tournament bubble had, had it gone all the way through. Um but you know, here now they're they're looking at sixteen and five. They, you know, that Missouri win was I I think much needed for the idea that you know, they didn't really have kind of that that statement win. Um, you know, not that the SEC offers a ton of them outside of Alabama and Tennessee this year because yeah. you know the, the kind of usual suspects in the conference aren't quite as good. Um, but that um, you know to to go on the road at Missouri and pick up a win like that, um, it, it says good things about them. They got a chance to follow it up. They play Florida here tomorrow night. That would be quite a good set of wins to, to put together back-to-back. Back. And um, they got Alabama coming up later. That's another shot at a good one. But uh, yeah. Musselman, is, he has turned it around quickly there. And yeah. uh, 
you, you know, they certainly look like an NCAA tournament team right now. And 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 credit to him and and his coaching staff and the players in Fayetteville for for coming together and making all that happen. The other game that I was alluding to, <laughs> I was really I saw this on the slate of games. I was excited to watch. Ended up being an ESPN Plus exclusive. Number 12, Oklahoma, on top of number 14, West Virginia, 91-90 in double overtime. How dare they make that an ESPN Plus exclusive? That should have been on on Saturday on, yeah, for everyone. Um, I mean, the ESPN's got their, their deal with the Big 12 to yep. throw out games on there every so often. I know Kansas has had a few. Uh, Iowa State has played some, and, and you know there will be people who call the paper and ask for what channel is is this game on and trying to explain to them what ESPN plus is <laughs> has been difficult um i mean because if you know what ESPN plus is you, you but and some people just don't they're like is that a channel i get well no but anyway <laughs> i mean oklahoma i feel like has kind of come out of nowhere yeah like, I, I i mean i don't it was I like don't two two anybody... three weeks ago andrew they were not on anyone's radar and they've piled yeah. together a very nice string of wins. They beat Texas, they beat Kansas, and now they, they beat West Virginia. And this week they're now the number nine team in the country. Yeah, they were they were six and four. On January 9th, they lost to Kansas by four points inside Allen Fieldhouse. They were six and four, two or three in the league, and they've won seven of their last eight. And uh, you know, Austin Austin Reeves is uh, a fun player to watch. Uh, they've all come together and, um, y- you know, playing for Lon Kruger and, and they have certainly made, uh, I think believers out of a lot of people, certainly me here over the last few weeks. Um, I saw the highlights of that game on Saturday. Uh, it was as exciting and, and scoring wise as, as you would want to be. Um, and I think certainly we should, you know, it's kind of the tip of the hat too to West Virginia because, you know, yeah. Oscar Sheboy left, uh, put his name in the transfer portal and he's now headed to Kentucky and you know, that's, they could have kind of fallen off after that. And instead, uh, Derek Culver has been phenomenal for them. Um, you know, if it weren't for the guys at Baylor, um, and possibly Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma state, Culver would probably be the big 12 player of the year. And, you know, he's probably at this point third or fourth in the pecking order, unfortunately for him, because um, the, the league is just that good and that yeah. deep. But, um, you know, you know, when Sheboy left, people were kind of wondering what what West Virginia was going to do. And they, they struggled early, kind of similar to Oklahoma. They were two and three in the league. And now they're they're seven and four. They were seven and three. They'd won five in a row in the league before uh, that exciting game on Saturday. But uh they they've righted the ship and um you know that it they finish with texas tcu kansas state they do have a game at baylor in there um so that'll be that will obviously be a tough one uh, i think that goes without saying that playing the undefeated number two team in the country will not be <laughs> right. easy but uh you know they've got it turned around and um you know they're another team that is you know the way they play defense is not something you see all the time. You know, the way, the way Coach Huggins likes to, to kind of bring out his defense. And um, I know they're a little bit down defensively in the numbers this year, but they, they give you different looks than a lot of other teams see. And once you get out of league, 
you know, again to to point to pound the point home matchups. Um, yes, <laughs> the the tournament's all about matchups, and you know, so it's one of those things where you and I can sit here now and and say, you know, oh, it looks like this team will do it, or do you think <laughs> Gonzaga or Baylor can go undefeated? It's all about kind of the matchups that roll through. Um, but man, oh man, there are a lot of really talented teams. I feel like there are. It could be Gonzaga or Baylor. That will be obviously the easy pick to make when you're throwing yeah. out your bracket. And I know you know four weeks from today is really when people will be spending time at the office. <laughs> the office pools will be going out and they'll be figuring out who they want to want to pick to the national championship game and all that. But beyond those two, and I don't say this just because in our kind of college basketball preview episode, uh, I picked Villanova <laughs> to win it all because I wanted to be a little bit more courageous than just picking <laughs> the number one or number two team in the country. But, um, like, you know, there are, I mean, look at Illinois. You look at Michigan. We talk about Michigan a little bit. I, I really like Illinois team. Um, Io Desunmu and, uh, Kofi Coburn. They're a great one, two punch Lance, uh, Fray or Trent Frazier, yep. uh, gives them some side scoring, uh, freshman Adam Miller. I don't know if you, I think he's from the Chicagoland area, so I don't know if you got a chance to see him, see him play in high no, school. I, I think we t- didn't we talk about this last time. You thought he was from around here. He was actually a Central Illinois guy. That sounds like a conversation we probably had. <laughs> um, so I guess not then. But like, uh, you know, Illinois is good. Ohio State. Chris Holtman is a spectacular coach. Well, I was just about to bring up the uh, last score of the weekend that I was uh, that I think is notable. Ohio State. 78-59 over Indiana, and Indiana is just, I mean, you have a, a tale of two seasons here. Ohio State now the fourth best team in the country. You got 3-4-5, all Big Ten right now. Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois. We're gearing up for Michigan, Ohio State next Sunday, which is going to be, I mean, hey, we didn't get it in college football this past year, but maybe yeah. this uh, college basketball thing could be pretty fun this year. And then on the other side of the coin, Indiana keeps, they, they just are so up and down and consistent. They are the epitome of a bubble team. Yeah. They just, they can't stand prosperity, which is, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know if you, I, I don't want to bring this up if you, cause like I said, I know you're, you're a Northwestern guy. I don't know if you watched <laughs> any of that game on Wednesday, it was Northwestern it was so Indiana hard to watch, because um, Indiana they just they can't shoot. Yeah, that like your best defense against Indiana is to force them into jump shots. Yeah, because like if Trace Jackson Davis gets the ball in the post, it's over. He's yeah. going to score. He is so talented and such a good player. Um, and you know, like when Rob Finnessy and some of those other guys are making shots. They can beat anybody, as evidence. They 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 won at Carver Hawkeye Arena. You know they have a sweep. They have a sweep of Iowa, which looks really good. Um, but they can all. And when the shots aren't falling, I mean, they can lose to anybody. They conceivably should have lost that game to Northwestern on Wednesday twice. They should have lost in regulation. Should have lost in the first overtime. And Jami Durham, he came up clutch twice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he saved the bacon for him and then they finally pulled it out in, in overtime, but I like him a lot overtime, but you know, man, they just, they struggle to score. They're not terrible defensively. They're a pretty solid defensive team, but 
they're kind of the reverse of some of the other teams we've talked about. I feel like they just they can't score with any consistency. Yeah. And, you know, when we're talking about Iowa, do you feel confident in Iowa getting a stop? For Indiana, do you feel like Indiana can score enough on a consistent basis to, to win two or, or three games in the NCAA tournament if they even get that far? Um, yeah. You know, because the the – I, I don't know. You know, we talked about a two-bid valley. Um, and I don't have anything against Indiana. I think I like Archie Miller. I, I like Trace Jackson Davis. I like those guys. But, like, if it gets down to the point where it's, you know, Indiana is 15-12 and 12, and they went 8-12 and 12 in the Big Ten or whatever, would you rather see a team who's barely above 500 out of the Big Ten and finish, like, ninth or 10th in the league? Or would you rather see a team like Drake? I would, you know, I, yeah. I know it's because, you know, Valpo was in the Summit League or the Horizon <laughs> League. They were in the Summit League when I was an undergrad and then the Horizon League when I was a grad student in the Valley now. But I've always had a soft spot for these, you know, mid and low major leagues. And I feel like I would prefer the Valley to get two bids rather than the Big Ten to get a tenth one. Yeah, I think that's Even a- for as good as the Big Ten has been this year. Yeah, um, I, I, I still would rather go that way. I think that it's actually more common outside of our small college bubble to want to see the underdogs. Because I've talked to people who say, you know, I'm really into it the first weekend, but once those Cinderella teams, I'm like, these are the people who aren't the big college basketball fans. And they say, well, I love watching those Cinderella teams. But once those teams are out and there's no real George Mason or Butler or VCU to latch onto and adopt for the tournament. Once they're all gone, they don't care about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And this is probably another conversation we've had before. <laughs> yes. Um, I tend to, I tend to have those a lot as my wife will attest. Um, <laughs> I think if, if you could put me in charge of the NCAA, the one tweak I would make to the NCAA tournament is that I would make those first four games I think they should all be for the last four at large spots. Yeah, I agree. I, I honestly, and, and uh, because like, just think about if you had a Drake versus Indiana game. Like, I don't know whether it's going to come down to that, but since they're two teams we talked about, yeah, you know, that's much better than you know forcing somebody like North Carolina A and T or somebody yeah. along those lines to play. You know, another like St. Peter's or Siena or Stony Brook or somebody right. like that. Because it's just not the true, you know, and, and I know the people in Dayton do a great job. And, and this year it'll be at either um, Hinklefield or at either Mac Arena or Assembly Hall. Um, but they'll do a great job. But, you know, when you're a small school, like you dream about getting the chance to now pull a UMBC, right? You want to yeah. take on you want to take on Goliath and they just miss out on that. And I think the ratings would be better. I think it would be better for the, the teams that, you know, the, the small schools obviously deserve the chance to get the full NCAA tournament experience. Even if it means, you know, you end up playing Gonzaga and lose by 50, at at least you were there and you could tell people you were on the same floor with guys like Jalen Suggs and, and Drew Timmy and things like that. So it, that's the one small change I would make. I mean, they're, if you put me in charge of the NCAA, there are a lot of others I would make. But um, <laughs> for in terms of the NCAA tournament, I think that's the one thing that's missing. Um, I also kind of think that since the NCAA owes the NIT, you, know, you could always make it where the teams who lose those games become the top seeds in the NIT. I don't know oh, whether yeah. 
you know, the logistics of that might start to become a little bit more difficult. But um, well, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem if they made it the uh, the first four or whatever whatever it's called. They if they did that, they expanded that. If they made like, all right, well, this is going to put an end to all the questions about who should be in and who should not be in. If we just like this could be the uh, the solution on the college basketball side to our college football problem that we've diagnosed on here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that would be good. Um, I don't I don't ever know whether they would decide to do that because, you know, the, the power schools are the ones who tend to. Yeah. end up winning those and so why not give them more of the at-large bids but i think that's you know something that's worth consideration and i feel like every so often the discussion comes up so all right last thing andrew games this week what are you watching for oh yeah. we got okay. michigan ohio state on sunday michigan ohio state on sunday here i think me- we have uh is there florida state and virginia tonight? Florida state virginia tonight that's a good one so tonight the big one is, uh, as you mentioned, Virginia and Florida State. I know there was going to be <clears throat> a Big 12. Baylor was going to play someone. It should be postponed. Yeah, it was. Oh, they were going to play West Virginia. They were going to yeah. be. They were going to play West Virginia, and I know that one got postponed. Um, yeah. So instead, they promoted one of the uh, the Big 12 games. TCU uh, is going to be on Big Monday tonight. Let's see, Florida at Arkansas. We talked about Arkansas on Tuesday. I think that'll be one worth watching. That would be uh, a good one. Lo- locally, locally, um, it, not so much for uh, possible NCAA tournament purposes, but um, just because it's interesting. Nebraska and Maryland are going to play back-to-back games in College Park on Tuesday and Wednesday um, as Nebraska's in the midst of playing five games in something like nine days. Uh, as they came off their big long COVID pause, uh, so that might be something worth keeping eye on, just because you don't ever see that. You've seen it happen a lot in the smaller leagues this year to cut down on travel, um, but I, this is the first instance of a a major league doing that. Or yeah, one of the, the powers, the power six. Oh, we also get Texas at Oklahoma next that's Tuesday. A, that's or, uh, a really Tuesday good night. one on Wednesday. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a good one. Uh, I think the Wednesday slate is a little bit light, although Arizona State. Not so much for for them, but at US, USC, uh, the Trojans, the I, I think now probably the prohibitive favorites to win the Pac-12. Yeah, they're looking uh, good. They're they've they've been good. They're thoroughly entertaining. Uh, if you want to make a pitch for the folks for CBS on CBS Sports Network <laughs> on Wednesday night, Utah State at Boise State. Uh, those Ooh, are a couple fun. of Mountain West yeah. hopeful. Um, you know, I've seen some bracket projections that had as many as four. Uh, Mountain West teams in there, they're all kind of right in the same kind of level. So um, Utah State and Boise State are two of those teams. That'll be the the first of a couple of games that they play. I think it'll be Wednesday and Friday. Uh, we'll end up being those two. Um, Wisconsin and Iowa on Thursday. Wisconsin and Iowa on Thursday. That'll be another big one. Um, That's a good uh, contrasting styles game that we were discussing. That'll be fun. Yep. Uh, also Thursday, Rutgers at Michigan. Rutgers just kind of keeps dipping in and out of the top yeah. 25, but uh, they've played much better. Um, St. Mary's at Gonzaga. I was honestly a little bit disappointed, certainly not for Gonzaga, but uh, they went at San Francisco on Saturday, and you know San Francisco handed Virginia one of their losses in Bubbleville back in Connecticut in November. Thought that might be a relatively close game, and Gonzaga won by 39. Um, 
and I know St. Mary's isn't quite as good as they normally are. You know, is, is this the last chance that Gonzaga gets tested before the West Coast Conference title? Uh, there's a sneaky game at 10 on Thursday night on ESPN2, Colorado at Oregon. Uh, the Ducks have been on pause for a while, and uh, they've come back and started playing well, and Colorado is near the top of the Pac-12. If you want to kind of get a sense of what's happening in the Pac-12, they the Buffs did lose. Uh, Saturday against Cal uh, was a loss they probably couldn't have afforded to take, but they get a shot to bounce back um, in Eugene. Uh, Saturday, we've got um, – I'm just taking a quick look here. we got Virginia Tech and Florida State. That should be a good one, uh, uh, two ranked yep. teams. And then Tech in Kansas. That's that, And then, um, oh, West Virginia and Texas. Uh, West sorry, Virginia. Tech in Kansas, I said, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, and then West Virginia, Kansas. Or, sorry, West Virginia, Texas. The Big 12. Uh, underreported story how tough the Big 12 is this year. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Big 12, you know, everybody thinks about Baylor. But, you know, there are, uh, you know, you talked about Oklahoma being up to nine, nine yeah. in the AP poll. Kansas is back in at 23. Baylor at two, uh, Oklahoma at nine, uh, Texas at twelve, West Virginia at thirteen, Texas Tech at fifteen. Um, you know, then you get Kansas at twenty-three. So it's it's not not a walk in the park. And um, I remember there was I can't remember who fans of which team showed it. Um, somebody had to play Baylor and West Virginia both twice it might have been oklahoma state i can't remember who it was but they showed uh wow. posted a, a schedule graphic and at that point in big 12 play they had to play eight ranked teams in a row <laughs> now, now i know the rankings fluctuate so they may not all be top 25 teams now but um the big 12 i think is right behind the big 10 in terms of uh overall quality of the league and i mean i think if you put the top six big 10 teams against the top six big 12 teams and they played a series it would probably be three and three if you wanted to make the argument that the top half of the big or the overall body of the big 12 is a little bit better than big 10 i mean you might not get a big argument because the the teams towards the bottom of the big 10 are 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 not quite as good, but yeah, they're um, not as good as I thought they'd be at the start of the season. Northwestern started out three and zero, and they've lost their last eleven games. And then you know you could talk about Indiana, Nebraska, Penn State, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so so those will be those will be some some sneaky good ones for sure. Um, definitely worth keeping an eye on on Saturday. And then the uh, best talk- one of the week. Michigan, Ohio State, the, yeah, the, the I, granddaddy of them all this week. It'll be a lot of fun. That'll, that'll, that'll be a good one. Um, I look forward to, man, I hope it's, I think this is the last week that ESP, or this is the last week that CBS has golf because, uh, you know, when they have their golf, they only show um, like the one game on Saturday, the one game on Sunday at, at one, and then they go to um, their golf coverage. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, when things get going, they, they have double headers, triple headers, and I feel like next weekend—not this weekend coming up, but the kind of the weekend after that—is when they'll they'll start to get ready for that. So I'm looking forward to that as well. 
Um, you know, it's just it. That's really when it starts to feel like <laughs> uh, you know hoops are ramping up a little bit. I mean, I feel like we're talking about it now, and there are more games on TV. But uh, you know, when the the CBS theme music starts playing, and you know you're looking for six straight hours of college basketball. Exactly. That's uh, <laughs> that's when you know it's that's when you know it's right around the corner and it's time to go. So. <laughs> Good stuff, Andrew. Well, we didn't end up talking about Houston today, so we'll have to do it next time. Uh, <laughs> come on back. Uh, maybe next week we can uh, we can do some more of this. Uh, how can people find your work and what you're working on right now? Uh, you know, my writing uh, pop up every so often here on Omaha.com. Um, you know, to read about the and the coverage is there for not only Creighton, who's the local university, also the University of Nebraska Omaha. And uh, cover Nebraska, Iowa, Iowa State a little bit as well. Um, and then you can find my musings on Twitter. Uh, my handle is astem00. And uh, thank you so much, Jack. I look forward to uh, talking college hoops again here soon. It's always a good discussion with you, man. And uh, thanks for having me, and take good care of yourself. Absolutely. Thank you, Andrew. And it'll probably come up again soon because I'll be doing these each week and I'm going to need some uh, people who are available in the middle of the day on Mondays. So <laughs> makes you a good guest. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. All right, y'all. That does it for my conversation with Andrew Stem. That was a lot of fun talking college hoops. I'm sure he'll be back again soon. We'll have another college basketball episode coming out next week, probably Monday or Tuesday, similar type format. I think that should be the norm up through uh, up through Selection Sunday, is that we should have an episode early in the week, college basketball coming out, similar to how we recap what happens in the NFL or college football over the weekend. We can get something out early in the week, recapping the last week in college basketball. So lots of fun there. If you missed the episode with Jay, check it out. Was a lot of fun having him here, and hopefully we'll have more challenge contestants here in the future. Albert Destrade from Survivor South Pacific will join me later this week for a fictional season of Survivor that we are coming up with. It's Survivor MLB. So 18 Major League Baseball players competing on Survivor. Who would win? I mean, you got Mike Trout, you got Aaron Judge, you got, uh, oh my gosh, so many good characters. Let me pull out that, uh, so I'm going to give you, for those who stuck around this whole episode, I'm going to give you the names of, I think this is like 15 or so of the 18. We're still not entirely sure who else is going to compete in this season of Survivor, but Alex Bregman, Mike Trout, Chris Archer. Aaron Judge, Ioannis Cespedes, Jorge Soler, potentially, maybe Soler, I don't know. Josh Donaldson, Miguel Cabrera, actually I think there might be, oh no, instead of Soler we have Salvador Perez, that's right. Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, Trevor Bauer, Joey Votto, Noah Syndergaard, Max Scherzer, Charlie Blackman, and then a couple others, TBD. So, make sure you tune in. Who will survive? and claim the $1 million prize out of 39 days, 18 major league players, one survivor. Make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita Show and getting those email notifications on my site. So whenever there is fresh content available, you will be notified. You'll be at the top of the list. One of the questions I've gotten recently is, 
How can I support you, Jack? Step one, subscribe to the Jack Vita Show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. So number one, get subscribed. Get subscribed for the email notifications. Get subscribed to the show wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Follow along on social media. Uh, I'm at Jack Vita Show on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show, YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. All those links are on my website, jackvita.com, where I'm writing and releasing a lot of new content that you're not going to want to miss out on, especially considering we have so much coming up with Major League Baseball season on the horizon, NCAA tournament four weeks from now. Pretty wild to think about. You're not going to want to miss out on everything we have going on over here. So that's step one. Step one, get subscribed. Step two, get your friends subscribed. Share the show with your friends. Get them subscribed. Get them on the email list. Share it with someone you know, and that'll make a huge difference. And then step three, if you're someone that's been listening to this show for a very long time and you would like to, again, it's not... Not something that I want anyone to feel obligated to do by any stretch of the imagination. There's a PayPal button on my website. So at this time, I'm not making any money releasing this content aside from a few advertising dollars. And those who have contributed on my site, you can send any dollar amount, whether it's at $1, $100, anywhere in between, anything above that, anything less than that. It will uh, it'll make a huge difference for me. So that's it for today's show. Make sure you guys are subscribed. Coming back later this week with Albert to talk Survivor MLB. Until then, however, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>